and welcome to another episode of This Is How We Do It, a podcast by Women Is One exploring how we might fix the world of gender inequities. Today's guest is Dr. William Harper. He is an associate professor of medicine and the director of the Division of Endocrinology at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. And this is part one of a two-part episode where we're focusing on the topic of game theory. And I am extremely excited to learn more about game theory today with Dr. Harper. So welcome to the show, uh, Dr. Harper. We're very happy to have you. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And you, and you can call me Will. Thanks for that uh, introduction. Yeah. I will call you Will. So, Will, um, <laughs> thank you for yeah. joining us. And I'll maybe sort of orient the listeners to why we're here together today. So I had the pleasure of meeting Dr. Sonia Anand, who will be the, the second speaker on this episode, about a year and a half ago, where she spoke about some really fascinating work that the two of you are doing together at McMaster um, around game theory and the incorporation of game theory into sort of the diversity and inclusion work that she's spearheading over at McMaster. So she immediately put me in touch with you and said, this is the guy you need to talk to. And I'm hoping that that you can help us here in this first part of the episode, understand what game theory is and how you're applying it to the diversity and inclusion efforts over at McMaster. So if you don't mind, maybe we could start with, with a game theory 101. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I appreciate that. And and I'm very grateful to Sonia to allow me to join her in this important work. We've been working for a, a couple years now on the inequity issue, first with gender inequity, and now more also we're hoping to broaden the scope in the context of all inequity. So, I mean, first of all, with respect to inequity, as many will agree, this is a, a systemic problem and one of, let's say, systemic discrimination. And I don't use the word discrimination as a, a euphemism. I know other people like to sort of call it what it is. But I just I, I like to use the term systemic discrimination just because it broadly encompasses and it encompasses like sexism, racism, or discrimination for any other reason, like sexual orientation, gender identity, religious or spiritual beliefs, or what have you. I'm an endocrinologist, so I do a lot of transgender work. So I see it's a broad thing. And so this was a tough problem that Sonia has been working on even before me. And I decided to join her because I, I, I was looking at it from a different perspective. I do a lot of work on decisional analysis, particularly decisions and uncertainty. And so I had started to look at game theory, which is, you know, so game theory is, is something that's gone back for a long time. I mean, probably one of the most famous pioneers of game theory is John Nash, who was a physicist, actually. And he discovered the concept of the, what they call the Nash equilibrium. And actually, it was in the movie A Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe, and I think Jennifer Connelly won the Oscar for it. But it was the story of this physicist who also happened to have schizophrenia. But he discovered this concept of the Nash equilibrium, which is the point at which you sort of maximally don't know anything. And, and so the application of that in, in strategy games, like, you know, I've talked to high-risk poker players and and investors in terms of stock market investors or even options traders is to sort of figure where you are on, let's say, a spectrum and how close you are to that Nash equilibrium, which is the point of maximally not knowing things. And when you're close to that, then your correct strategy is one where you are supposed to apply a variance type of strategy, something that is unexploitable. And so the most profound variance strategy would be simply randomization. And we do this in science and all the time. So when, uh, when we don't know if a drug works, for instance, if you don't know hydroxychloroquine is helpful for COVID, 
You run a randomized clinical trial and figure it out. And that's the only way to figure those things out when you don't know. But when you do know something, when you know, for instance, that aspirin is good for a person coming in with a heart attack because you've done those trials already or you've got good knowledge about it, then you're very far from the Nash equilibrium. Now, now you're at a point where you shouldn't be sitting around and randomizing people anymore or just flipping coins to decide things. You should be making exploitatively certain decisions. And so that's what your strategy should be defined by. So when we talk about our game theory strategy for the inequity problem, it's sort of like a systemic solution to that in that with the system we've got in place and that we've trialed out now with four different leadership competitions we've had for divisional director positions over the last year in the Department of Medicine at McMaster. We're using a strategy called DAVNE. Uh, so that's just an acronym, D-A-B-N-E. And the D-A stands for Diversative Agreement. And the V is just a little V for versus. So, and then N-E is just the Nash Equilibrium. So it's Diversative Agreement versus Nash Equilibrium. And what we're doing here is we're getting a diverse group of people to try to help us make a decision. And when a diverse group of people come together and are all certain or fairly certain, whatever your certainty point is you want to set that at, we go ahead and let that committee make the decision. But when the committee is uncertain, when it's more closer to the Nash equilibrium and and when you really don't know who's the best candidate, for instance, then we rely on a variance strategy. We randomize and we literally randomly select between the remaining candidates in terms of who would go on in the competition and who wouldn't. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And it's incredibly interesting. So you talked about sort of four different areas. What are those four areas in particular? You said, I'm obviously sort of leadership positions. Are they they all leadership positions that you were looking at? Or are there other areas that you were considering? So I am the divisional director for endocrinology, which is sort of diabetes, hormones, these kinds of things. And there were four other divisions that had to go through leadership selections in the last year. And I don't want to name the actual divisions that we applied Davnor didn't because sort of from a confidential perspective, but there were a number of divisions that had to go through a leadership renewal. That was one of the things we actually first did. And when Sonia brought inequity to the department was to sort of say, hey, there's a lot of people holding on to leadership positions for too long. You know, some people were in the position for 20 years and not giving room for up and coming people to to come up. And so the chair of the department said, hey, I agree with that. You know, we really should be doing like one or two terms and giving other people a chance So that brought a lot of renewal. And then so we were applying different ways to try to figure out, you know, equity solutions and then and then the data solution. The reason we brought that in is because we still are a big a big believer at McMaster that there is such a thing as merit, although we agree, you know, when we talk about the meritocracy, it's not that there's not merit. It's just that I think a lot of people assume that you're being rational and you're making your decisions based on a rational choice and a rational difference between the merit of two candidates. But you know, just as well as I do, when all of these candidates are excellent, and it's really hard to tell the difference. It doesn't mean there isn't a difference. There often is a, a difference. It's just that you can't tell the difference. And when you can't tell, when there's uncertainty with respect to that, then actually the correct choice as defined by game theory is a random selection. So is that that we're going to talk to Sonia about the results of these efforts. But you know, the objective, I think, of this particular conversation is to think about the construct and the the concept. And so obviously, there are other applications of game theory when it comes to this issue of gender equity or other inequities, as you mentioned. Have you guys explored sort of other areas where you might apply this? Or are you still waiting on the results of sort of this first round of experimentation? 
Well, I mean, we applied this as well as some other strategies like equity. As I said, about four leadership committees and then, you know, we've written the manuscript up we're trying to get it published. And then we're going to continue to try to perfect the system. One of the things, it was interesting, one of the things I was worried about is I wanted to set the certainty requirement in which the diverse group of people had to climb over in order to avoid randomization. I was worried that when we started this process, we'd be randomizing too much and people would be upset saying, hey, we're we're making random selections here when it's clear we know who the best candidates are. And in fact, I think we were a bit conservative with the DAP and we weren't randomizing enough. And as a result, I don't think we were, I think there were still some issues of inequity happening. I think there were still some issues of what I would call the sort of myth of meritocracy where people were selecting candidates that they thought were better. But when you looked at the objective ways that they were evaluating the candidates, they weren't. It was interesting. So it's sort of like that system one, system two thought process that you talk about for cognitive bias with Kahneman, right? You know, a lot of people, when they were doing systemic evaluations of the candidate, there were not any systemic evaluation choices. And yet when they voted, when they sort of went with their system one intuitive gut choice, they seemed to think there was a difference that wasn't there. And the question is, what's driving that? Is it is it unconscious bias? Is it implicit bias? We don't know, right? And my issue is that like with Davna, it's a systemic solution to a systemic problem. And it really is flattening the hierarchy as opposed to, you know, one person or a few people at the top making the choice. We bring a large group onto this selection committee and we ensure they're diverse, right? Like the more diverse the committee and and everybody gets a vote, the more women, the more people of color, the more, you know, whatever you want to define as the diversity matter, the lower that committee has to get over a certain certainty requirement bar to avoid randomization. When you have a less diverse committee or you have a less diverse uh, panel of candidates with DAVNA, then then you're much more driven towards randomization. And so it actually incentivizes the chair and all of us to sort of say, hey, we, we, we don't want to, nobody wants to randomize. So, so it forces you to say, we better make sure we get more candidates that are women, more candidates that are people of color. We better put more people on the committee who are deciding and helping to vote that are more diverse as well. And the reason I say that this is a, a better solution is because in my take of the literature, as well as in my own experience working with these things, I feel like what's been tried before has been fairly ineffective. I mean, concepts of, let's say, the implicit association test and unconscious bias training. We know that the implicit association test is probably too nonspecific. I mean, anybody who takes one of these tests comes out looking biased. And, And even if that's true, how useful is that? Because, you know, no matter what test you take, whether it's for gender or race or whatever, it's going to label people as biased. Fair enough. And, and I think we all are biased. But what's really clear is the unconscious bias training modules that are being sort of pushed out into a lot of corporations and academic centers like ourselves, they don't really work. If you look at the literature for that, they're pretty ineffective at making any changes. It's so fascinating. So I I completely agree with what you're saying. And it's amazing to me how ubiquitous implicit bias training has become as, you know, the solution to this problem. And as you're saying, there's really not a lot of evidence that it works. And so to just jump to that. Actually, as, there's a lot of evidence that it doesn't work. Well, there you like, go. Like, and even, I even worse. Approach, there's evidence it doesn't work. Yeah. In fact, there's evidence actually that it, it makes worse, right? Like if you put someone in front of an implicit association test and, and it says, oh, you know what? You're biased against this particular demographic group. I'm going to have you do three hours of modules training to sort of show how biased you are. 
And then you have that person sort through resumes or vote on a selection committee. The, the literature shows that people actually double down on their bias. And, you know, you think about human, what humans are, it's, it's not surprising, right? <laughs> people don't like to be called biased and labeled uh, discriminatory. It's probably not a good strategy. It's incredible, though, that it has become sort of the go-to solution. And so I'm hoping that by introducing your solution, your alternative solution here to at least our audience, that we can maybe provoke some different thoughts on this matter. And I'm fascinated by this, and I'm excited to talk to Sonia and to hear how the results have been coming along. I'm, I'm very curious to read your, your publication on this. And I know we could talk about it for quite a lot longer, but I will let you go here. And thank you for your time today. I think this is very thought-provoking and an interesting way of tackling the gender disparities, at least from our perspective, that are so widespread and really need to be addressed from a different angle. 